0: It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Plynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense, all in more or less plain English. Podcast number 783 for the 11th of March 2022. This week, whether you love Microsoft Word or detest it, you probably use it. It's possible to customize Word so that it works the way you want it to, But the settings aren't always obvious or easy to find. In short circuits, just about everybody has seen the, we couldn't deliver your package email scam that usually is intended to steal login credentials or install malware on the computer. There is now a multi-part scam that's intended to clean out your entire bank account. If you fall for it, there's no way to get your money back. A Danish organization, the Human Library, says its goal is to eliminate stereotypes by making it possible for people to interact with others they might not normally encounter. And 20 years ago, I was thinking about Amazon, which had been in business for seven years. It wasn't yet a retail powerhouse, but the trend was clear. We love Microsoft Word, and we hate Microsoft Word. That's not unique to Microsoft Word. It seems likely that most of the people who use computers love them and the applications that run on them when things are working well, and hate them when they're not. It's difficult to escape Microsoft 365, which includes Outlook, Word, Excel, and PowerPoint on Windows and macOS computers. Publisher and Access are included only on Windows computers. The applications also run on Apple and Android mobile devices. The $100 per year fee gives up to six people access to all of the programs and one terabyte of online storage per person. So that's less than $17 per person per year. Those without family members to take advantage of the six-user account can sign up for a personal account. That's $70 a year. LibreOffice and OpenOffice are both free to use and include capable applications that are usually but not always quite compatible with Microsoft applications. Corel's WordPerfect Office suite includes WordPerfect, Quattro Pro and Presentations. The Paradox database application is priced separately. Corel applications have perpetual licenses, but the per-user cost is $250 to $400 it's not difficult to understand why Microsoft virtually owns the Office Suite market. So, you probably use Microsoft Word, but you might not always be happy with Microsoft Word. Part of the problem is that Microsoft listens to its customers. Word was far inferior to WordPerfect in the mid-1980s, and WordPerfect was the most used word processor until the early 1990s, Many editors still consider WordPerfect 5.1 for DOS to be the best word processor ever made. But it didn't have the ability to track changes. The screen display showed only text. It wasn't possible to wrap text around graphics. It could check for misspelled words, but not grammatical errors. People wanted features like that well, maybe not editors, but a lot of people did. As a result, Word's developers added features, even when it was clear that people were asking for a word processor that would perform tasks no word processor should ever be asked to do. Today's word processors are all bloated, and they all try to perform tasks that they shouldn't. We can ignore the features we don't want, turn off some ill-advised functions, and usually find a way to force Word to get the basics right. Whether a function is useful depends on the user. Despite the valid claims by editors that Word's grammar checker is absurd, I continue to use it. Most of Word's editor recommendations are incorrect, or at least questionable, but occasionally the suggestion is appropriate. I reject most of the recommendations, but sometimes the automated editor sees something I missed. I have described previously Word's propensity for creating new documents and opening existing documents in Web Layout view. Word is not a website design tool, and Web Layout is inappropriate if you use it to write letters, instructional materials, and other printed documents. For that, you need Print Layout and that should be the default. Actually, the default view should be something that users can set in a configuration menu. It is not. You need to create a macro that runs automatically when a document opens. Doing that is fairly easy. If you haven't yet enabled developer mode in Word, you need to do that first. Click the File menu, then select Options. It's at the bottom of the home screen. Then choose Customize ribbon in the panel that opens. Scroll down the main tabs list on the right side of the panel and place a check mark next to Developer. When Developer mode is active, select it from the menu and then click Macros to open a dialog box. Type Auto Open as a single word in the Macro Name box and then click the Create button. Some text will already be present in the macro, and the last line will be END SUB. Insert a blank new line above END SUB, and type activewindow.view.type equals WDPRINTVIEW. If you'd like, just copy and paste that from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Then click the disk icon to save the macro, close the Visual Basic for Applications window, and now your new documents will always open in print View. That's a lot more difficult than it should have been, but it's still a relatively easy fix that quickly eliminates an annoyance. But what if you want to make some other changes? Well, Word uses templates to store starting information for documents. Editing the normal.dotm template will affect all new documents that you create. It's possible to have multiple templates, so you can pick one when you create a new document. Changing normal.dotm can modify default typefaces, styles, margins, and more. Before we start working on the default template, it's important to know that it's easy to recover from a mangled template. Just rename the problem template, move it, or delete it. Word will create a new one. But first, you have to find it. To open normal.dotm, choose File Open from the menu, and then browse to c colon backslash users backslash your username backslash app data backslash roaming backslash Microsoft backslash templates. So in my case, this is c users Willy, app data roaming Microsoft templates. If you're not sure what your username is, you can just type percent sign appdata percent sign in the location field. That will take you directly to the roaming directory then choose Microsoft and Templates. You'll see Normal.dotm in the list of files. Probably the most frequently changed setting is the default typeface. Because most of the styles in Word are based on the normal style, changing the default font also changes the normal style, which affects the other styles that are based on normal. In the ribbon, you'll see a section called Font. To change the default typeface, click the Font Expansion icon. That's the little arrow in the lower right corner. That will open a dialog where you can change the typeface, the weight, and the size, and several other characteristics. Also, check the Advanced tab if you want to modify ligatures, number forms, and other specialized settings. After selecting the options you want, click Set as Default. That's a button you'll find at the bottom of the dialog, and choose the All Documents option. To modify default margins, start with the Layout tab and choose Margins. Then you can select one of the defined options, such as Normal, Narrow, Moderate, Wide, Mirrored, and Office 2003, or create your own custom margins. Any changes you make to Normal.dotm will be applied to all documents you create in the future, using your modified fonts, margins, spacing, and other settings. Other settings that can be changed in normal.dotm include character spacing, layout, text formatting, paragraph formatting, document formatting, styles, text, pictures, auto-text entries, and keyboard shortcuts. And creating a specialized template, such as a letterhead, is easy. Create a new document, add any graphics, headers, footers, or styles that you want to include in documents based on this new template, Modify any additional settings, and then use Save As to specify a Word-enabled macro template. Word will save this in the Custom Templates directory. That's c colon backslash users backslash your username backslash documents backslash custom office templates. And that's where you should look if you ever need to, for example, delete an old template. To use your specialized template, choose File, New, scroll down and select Personal to show any templates you've created. Templates that you use frequently can be pinned. That adds them to the top section of the templates list. So when Word is doing something you don't like, or isn't doing something you'd like it to do, see if you can modify the program itself and eliminate the annoyance. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. are nothing if not inventive. Just about everybody has already seen the we-couldn't-deliver-your-package email scam. That's usually intended to steal your login credentials and sometimes to install malware on your computer, occasionally to do both. But there's an interesting twist to the scam. It involves SMS text messages on your phone, and it's pretty tricky. Here's how it works. Let's say you receive a text message that claims to be from UPS, FedEx, the U.S. Postal Service, DHL, or some other delivery service. The message says your package couldn't be delivered and that you'll have to pay a fee to have the delivery attempted again. So that's clue number one. Most delivery services try three times to deliver a package and leave a notice on your door if there's a problem. In fact, The package will just be left on your doorstep unless the shipper has specified that a signature is required. If you've ordered something recently, the message may seem legitimate. If not, well, that's clue 1B. Let's assume you're busy with other tasks, you're expecting a delivery, you think the fee is just some new way for the delivery company to increase their revenues. The fee is small, maybe two or three dollars, perhaps five, so you click the link and you're taken to a legitimate looking payment page where you're asked for your full name, address, phone number, and your bank account number. You provide that and the site responds with a message that says your package will be re-delivered within two working days. Well, we just blew past clue number two. The form's request for your bank account number should be a gigantic red flag with spotlights on it. But for whatever reason, you missed it. So the next morning, you receive a phone call from someone who says he's at your bank. A fraudulent transaction has been discovered and blocked, but you need to act quickly to protect your money. Have you received any text messages about deliveries lately? The caller will ask. Well, of course, you immediately recall the message from the delivery service yesterday. The caller knows your name, your address, your phone number, and the final four digits of your bank account number. So the call seems legitimate. How else would the caller know your identity and bank information? That, of course, is clue number three. You provided all of this information yesterday to, you now think, a scammer. Who has no connection with today's caller. What you now need to do, the caller says, is move your money to a safe account. You're given an account number and told to move your money immediately so the scammers can't get it. That is a gigantic clue number four. If the bank was able to detect and halt a fraudulent transaction, why would you now be required to move your money to a safe account? Yet, you'll be instructed to move all your money in the account quickly. The caller promises that the bank will, of course, move the money back to your account in a day or two when the threat has been dealt with. Well, you can probably guess what happens next. A few days go by, your money isn't back in your account. You call the bank, and you learn that nobody called to tell you to move your money. This kind of theft is permanent. It won't be covered by the FDIC or the bank's anti-fraud protections that apply only to credit card purchases. Because you initiated the transfer, your money is gone. The scam was a two-part process. Collect all the necessary information on the first day, and then use that information the next day for the sting. If you receive a call from somebody who claims to be from the bank, tell the person you'll call back. Ask which branch the caller is at call the bank's main number and ask to be transferred to the caller. You probably won't get that far because the scammer will already have hung up. But if the scammer tries to give you a number for the bank, uh-uh, don't take that. Any pushback from the caller indicates clearly that it is a scam. The human library's slogan is unjudge someone. The organization headquartered in Denmark hopes to eliminate stereotypes by making it possible for people to interact with those they might not normally encounter. The objective is to create a safe framework for personal conversations that can challenge prejudices, eliminate discrimination, and prevent conflicts. These are lofty goals. I wanted to find out how it works. The books in the Human Library are people, not books. People who volunteered to represent a stigmatized group in the community. They volunteer to answer questions from readers to help challenge misconceptions. The Human Library is active in 70 countries, and in-person events take place at schools, libraries, universities, conferences, festivals, and public spaces. Some will be on weekdays, others are on weekends. The Columbus State Community College Library has hosted an event, so has the Delaware County District Library, Dublin Jerome High School, Case Western Reserve University, and John Carroll University. The human books include people with ADHD, those who are naturists and polyamorous or brain damaged, former soldiers with PTSD, Muslims, refugees, people who are deaf and blind, homeless individuals, those with extensive tattoos and piercings, and more. Currently, most of the events seem to be held in Europe, but eliminating misconceptions and stereotypes is a positive event anywhere in the world. If you'd like more information, visit the Human Library's website. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The world could use a little more open discussion and understanding. Remember 2002? Amazon wasn't yet a retail powerhouse, but the trend was clear. Check out TechBiter Worldwide online and think back 20 years. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blynn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com. And if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session.